0: Hi, this is uh, Recovered AF Podcast. I'm a co-host. My name is Aaron. I have another co-host. His name is Kyle. I make him run the laptop from about five feet away, so I have to wait for him to get his ass sat back down. And now he's gonna introduce himself. We have a guest today too. We tried to have her on a couple weeks ago. This whole thing's been quite a clusterfuck. It's all your fault, I, by I, the way. I, I I really believe that. I really believe that. Yep hundred percent okay. Aaron's fault. Yep. Okay.
1: But um, I'll do a quick disclaimer just before we get into, I'll let you introduce our guest again. But okay. uh, just so we're all on the same page, we are not affiliated with any 12-step organization. Uh, those organizations don't have spokespeople or representative. Uh, if they did, they wouldn't pick Aaron. Um <laughs> Because he clearly makes things worse.
0: We've mm. <laughs> <laughs> never uh, heard that one before. Good yeah. one. How original,
1: Kyle. <laughs> no, but they uh, they don't pick, uh, they don't have spokespeople or representatives, and um, that's for a reason. And this podcast is just Aaron's experience, my experience, and if we have a guest, our, her or his experience. Um, and generally, we talk about all, all, all sorts of life stuff. Some of that is... Uh, over recovery and our participation in a twelve-step world, uh, some of that is just other stuff that we do in our lives. So, uh, with that, Aaron, why don't you introduce our guest, please?
0: Okay, I will introduce our guest right now. Her name Her name's Myra, and uh, she's joining us from the Great Northwest, in the heart of. Uh, the coronavirus outbreak it's a wonder she's still alive we're grateful for that <laughs> and,
2: uh, i don't wash my hands and i touch my face often all <laughs> right you're good
0: i'm just if you can make it to the if you can make it to the 12-step rooms you're you're pretty hardy you know you can probably survive a right? lot <laughs> yeah so um hey, my first question is uh, uh do we look like we're in a dungeon that somebody that kidnaps people might keep them in you
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. We-
0: <laughs> this is our podcast studio we built for the sweet, sweet price of one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, it shows. Yeah, we're gonna have to get some. De- we're gonna have to get some decorations yeah. up here.
1: <laughs> if you're a fan and you're good at art, send something in, yeah. so it doesn't look like Aaron and I were kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot!
0: So- I'm here voluntarily. <laughs> <laughs> just you don't have anything else to do. You just have to wait out the virus in your ba- in your bunker. So. <laughs> yeah. We might as well do a podcast.
3: That's right.
0: Um, so, yeah, so uh, I met My- I met Myra at that conference that we go to, and you know, we talk about sometimes. I think I met you the, the first year when I was right, just first back and uh, maybe chatted with you just a minute on a Sunday morning. I think wait, I think Elaine was uh, there. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, and then and then anyway, we uh, met you a little bit more. Uh, last year we were standing in line next to one another while we were waiting to shake hands with one of the speakers and uh, chatted briefly and then uh, you know we're friends on Facebook and and whatever and uh, I was saying last time that we tried to do this like I I I never just I just never shut up about my stupid diet and and uh, you had posted something a little bit about being on a on a diet and I was like that's cool we need to get some other people that are doing other things out you know outside of the 12-step realm anyway and get a you know different perspective on here and uh so yeah uh, with that I would like to again welcome Myra hopefully we have with the longest introduction in the history of introductions (laughs) yeah Yeah. i don't know i just hear lord i'm up in the head today let me talk for five minutes before i introduce our guest
2: this is the best there's like no pressure Uh, i don't have to talk at all i can just like watch you guys and and, inject periodically (laughs)
0: furthermore you can ramble on aimlessly and probably be more to the point (laughs) Yeah. yeah so thanks for
2: having me again you guys like Uh, I was waiting for the email invite to come. And I'm like, we just talked about. uh,
0: (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) I
1: I think our connection got shit. Okay. Okay, Now it's working. Yeah.
2: There's... there's, I keep getting a message saying my internet connection is unstable, but I seem to have zero problem when I damn it. <laughs>
0: okay,
2: so here hopefully this works.
0: Wait what what are you does kidding? It, it's ours says ours, ours it's says bad. ours is unstable too. I don't know what Well, the...
2: we're all unstable. Clearly we uh, know.
0: <laughs> I really this is awesome. Okay.
2: Is it working? <sighs>
0: maybe I don't know
2: <laughs> we're all unstable yeah. we got it I
1: think it's working now yeah okay oh man I yeah. say we just power through we can edit it I can if, if we need to splice something I, we can I, I think.
0: couldn't possibly be any more hot and sweaty and have any more anxiety than I do right now yeah this is an
1: awesome this is a great start yeah this is a good opportunity for us to persevere so
0: yeah yeah <laughs> So you're going to have to repeat everything you just said because we got some we got some lag in that one. So we, I don't
2: even know what I just said. Oh, that's
0: perfect. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, hey,
2: all, all I know is that my computer screen said your internet connection is unstable and then you guys are unstable, so we're all unstable <laughs> yeah. and that's established.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. that's perfect. <laughs> we, we just filled out a questionnaire for some girl in a journalism school wanting to know about our podcast and we're, I'm pretty sure we're not the right people to ask about anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. she was like i love your yeah. podcast
1: and yeah. what do you guys do i was like oh man you should be asking someone a little yeah. more professional than us
3: we're pretty good at
0: ruining our lives yeah. other than that.
3: i'm the best at that yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so okay so like we, we can just start there like uh you know uh as far as ruining our lives how did you winners don't usually make it to the 12-step rooms what was your uh, first introduction. Oh, and I was going to tell you too, like, because we're not affiliated with anything, uh, I know we get used to in the rooms referring to stuff, um, being very vague about outside issues. Um, but you can be as vague or as descriptive as you want to be about those things. We're not affiliated with anything. So we're free to talk about stuff that we normally wouldn't talk about in our 12 step fellowships. If you're comfortable, I just wanted to let you know that I was going to do that pre that was part of my pre-production, but I missed okay. the boat on that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open about most anything anyway, because in my opinion, everything that we talk about has to do with why I'm in a twelve-step program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess to start, like I did, I grew up in, uh, I grew up in an alcoholic family, um, and I recall, um, I mean, my my dad. Uh, he would go through like a handle of vodka, like a a day, a day and a half. And I'd come home and he'd be passed out. And I would, I was disgusted with that and was like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to be like him, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, he and my, my stepmother, they both, um, they both drank and used drugs. Um, it was, you know, the, the, the drugs were like a secret thing, but I knew something was going on, but I guess, um, Kind of to, you know, I always, I just, I, I never felt comfortable. Um, I, I did try as a child growing up. Um, I, I feel like I, I didn't feel like I was safe in my own home, really. Um, I was, there was a lot of mental abuse from my stepmother. And um, so I wanted to get uh, out of that house as soon as possible. And I moved from Arizona to uh, Washington, where I was born. Um, and I lived with my mom for a while, um, when I was 18 and she also was an alcoholic and used drugs too. And, um, it, I've reflected back recently cause I've also been in therapy for the last year. Um, but that nothing about my childhood was like normal. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: uh, and, uh, so that's been an interesting journey, uh, in sobriety kind of going through that kind of stuff, but. Uh, nevertheless, um, I mean, I did start drinking when I was, I don't know, 14 or 15, and I, I drank to get fucked up from the beginning. You know, I um, I would sneak out of my house at night and we'd go out to party in the woods and I would, I, it was blackout drinking from the get-go. Yeah. Um, and um, And then, you know, in my early, like, early 20s um I, I recall stuff like people saying like oh well just you know when i was really hung over the next morning that i i should just take a drink and that it would make me feel better and i'm like oh god no and so i would like i would do like day on day off day on day off and in my mind i was constantly like justifying that like that doesn't constitute an alcoholic right mm-hmm. um but I was pretty i mean it was pretty miserable like most of my drinking um i did have i mean honestly i had i did have a lot of fun at at times um but i knew i had a problem from from an early from early on
0: so what uh was there some attempts like because i was thinking about i keep end up in these meetings where i have to talk about my drinking where they end up being first step meetings and you know talking about choice and control and uh you know i i had thought back to you know the first time i had gotten in trouble drinking with a law and, and needing to stay sober for a while to smooth everything over in the home and and from the very beginning i had you know had to you know was forced to try and control my drinking and, and moderate how much and how often i drank and it was terrible from the beginning. It was a very difficult thing from the, you know, beginning to even try and do that. Did you have to experience, you know, like trying to, you know, control or moderate your drinking then from, a, from an early on age, or did you just drink to oblivion until one day you found yourself in a 12 step room or a facility or something?
2: Well, I, you know, I, um, I think that I surrounded myself pe- with people, Uh, that allowed me to drink the way that I wanted to, um, which looked like, which, I mean, kind of looks like being single for a really long time (laughs) Uh, and, you know, and having, having a series, you know, I wanted, I wanted a boyfriend, I wanted to have a relationship, but I was completely incapable of having any sort of functional, um, a productive relationship. Um, and so I found myself with others like me, you know, we would just party together and end in disaster. So I never like, I, by design, I surrounded myself with people so that I could drink and party the way that I wanted mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also created, I mean, in its own way, a lot of misery. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I, it was, there's a lot of justification. Like all my friends do this, you know, like we would go, go away for weekends and everyone's drinking first thing in the morning. And I, and so I'm like, Oh, see other people do this. Mm -hmm. It's totally normal. Mm -hmm. Um, but what they weren't doing is like also sneaking off to like drink from the bottle when I'm with a bunch of people who are partying for the weekend, (laughs) but I'm secret drinking while also partying in, you know, with everybody. Mm -hmm. So, like normal, normal people don't do that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So did you have like a, um, like a moment of clarity where you got like a realistic picture of what your drinking was and, and that was what made you decide to stop or what kind of transpired? Because I think everyone's experience with that is different, but um, sometimes I think we gloss over that because we typically start right at your intro to the 12 step world. But what, what transpired where you go like okay other people are doing it but but they're not having the same effects that I am or they're not having the same consequences or what kind of took place for you to go you know what I really I gotta get that I gotta do something different
2: um so I I did try I I dipped my toe in AA about uh eight well probably no it was longer than that I I don't I have a terrible memory with time because, yeah. um, I drank for so many years that I'm like, I don't know when that was or how many it <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah. Um, maybe 10 to 12 years ago. Um, you know, there, there's a group of friends, uh, that I have and that I would spend a lot of time with and we would go out. And, um, I, one of my friends, uh, Sue in particular, she, um, she had kids and like, she'd come and pick me up and we'd go out and, you know, she would drive, which was amazing. So I didn't have to worry about that. Not that that stopped me. Um, and I'm not proud of that, but, um, you know, I found myself saying often, like, I think I drink too much. I need to find something else to do or, you know, um, and, and one night we were standing outside of a bar smoking and I was, I was saying the same thing again. And I didn't even know that I was repeating myself about, uh, or or that I kept bringing this up, but, Mm. Um, one of the girls was like, well, why don't you, you know, maybe you should find some, a hobby or something. And I'm like, yeah, that at that moment, I'm like, yeah, that's not going to fucking work. Like I have tried (laughs) every, well, I have, yeah, I've tried everything. Like I would manage to stop drinking for maybe a week um, for, so that I could, you know, lose weight. But then as soon as I got to a point where I felt like, Oh, I'm making some progress, then it was back on again. So it was never for any length of time. Like, I never went for a year without drinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, two, two weeks was the longest I'd ever not drank during my whole entire drinking. Mm. Um, But nevertheless, um, my friend said to me that night, you know, I'm going to take you to an AA meeting. And I I was, I was crying and I said, okay, I'll go. And then uh, the next morning, um, I woke up alone in my apartment and I was like, man, I'm fine. It's totally cool. I completely overreacted. Don't need to go to an AA meeting.
3: Um,
2: (laughs) Despite the fact that, you know, that little voice in my head for a very long time was like, you got to stop. You got to stop. You got to stop. You got to stop. I mean, every day, it was like groundhog's day. Right. Mm. Um, And so I called her and I said, you know, I don't, I'm good. I don't need to go to a meeting. (laughs)
3: And
2: and she said, we're going anyway. Um, And so Uh I I said okay and she came and picked me up and we went to this meeting in uh in Linwood, Washington, which is a little, you know, kind of suburb, and it was it was weird and I don't remember anything about it or any anything that anybody said. Um, but I do remember what she said to me when we were sitting in the car before the meeting started and and she said, One of my best friends drank herself to death and if I can do anything about um this for you, you know, I'm going to. Like I don't I can't. I can't let you do that. Um, not that it's up to her, but nevertheless. Um, so I went into that meeting and I didn't connect necessarily with that one, but I did start going. I found a meeting that was um, closer to where I worked and I was going at seven o'clock in the morning and there were a couple of guys, some some men who had been sober for a really long time. and. Um, uh, there was something about them that was very comforting mm. and I really enjoyed that um, that feeling of like peace um, when I heard them talk um, I probably I went about four months without a drink um, but I was smoking pot and I remember looking at the you know the steps on on the hanging on the wall and I'm like you know I mean yeah okay powerless and unmanageability sure but um, but that whole, like, make amends, I can't fucking do that, <laughs> you know? And I, I had this idea about what that looked like without knowing anything about the program. Of course. Uh, and I was completely unwilling to do that. And I also, there was, um, I didn't know it at the time, but now I can recognize it that I knew that I, um, I couldn't, I couldn't get asked someone to sponsor me because I wasn't actually sober. Mm. Um, that wasn't a conscious, like a clear thought at the time. But I know now that that's what—that's why I didn't get a sponsor because I knew that they wouldn't—they wouldn't sign off on me smoking pot, you know, <laughs> yeah. and being in the program. <laughs> yeah. so. So that's um, so. I, I went to those meetings for about four months without drinking, and then one day I decided that you know it wouldn't be so bad and as i made a bunch of deals with myself but if i didn't uh you know if i wasn't just drinking alone all the time then it would be okay yeah. or if i didn't feel uh terrible about myself then it would be okay and if i didn't do you know i th- the list uh goes on then it would be fine so i went out and i decided i'd have a glass of wine And I got completely drunk that night and did every one of the things that I said I wouldn't do (laughs) and, (laughs) And,
3: and,
2: um, and then drank again for another four years. Um, and it got, you know, even worse.
0: That's sort of the thing I think that, um, maybe people don't understand that haven't had that experience. Like, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I've just heard things, you know, like, you know, you can, you can get off the elevator, you know, in, in any floor you want. And, uh, if I could, I would have, you know, got off that thing. Um, my experience having had some, some time sober and then going back out is once I'm out there that I have no, I have no choice or control when that crazy train is stopping again, or when I'm going to get the opportunity to get back off and get sober again, for me, it was just, God really did open up a window of uh, opportunity at some point. and And from there, then I had the responsibility of taking some action around that. But that's the thing. I mean, I, I think I'm sober and I'm just going to go have a glass of wine and then fucking four years later. Right. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Well, it's it is. It's funny. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine told me that he had he had gone snowboarding with a friend of his. And um, this my my friend is uh, in the program, um, went snowboarding with someone who isn't. And he went and grabbed uh, what he thought was a soda and a soda water and it, he took a big drink of it and it was vodka soda. Mm. And that started me thinking about like, he's like, you know, I'm not, he's, he was like, he has questions. He's got reservations Mm -hmm. about whether or not because drugs were his, you know, that was his thing. Granted he did drink too much, but he's not, he's not absolutely convinced. And when he was telling me that I was, I was like, I, I realized that I have no doubt uh, and I'm so grateful that I am convinced Mm
3: -hmm.
2: uh, because I thought, you know what I want to do? I don't want to drink like a normal person. I hear people in the room say stuff like, I thought they would just teach me how to drink like a lady and then it would be fine. And I never had any idea like that.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I want to go and get fucked up. Like, I don't, like today, I don't, you know, I I don't want to, I know that that would ruin my life, but the realization of, I don't think that I can go have a drink. I immediately like I just want to drink to get loaded, yeah. um, and completely wipe out. You know everything that's going on, and that was something that uh in in one of in my therapy session a couple of weeks ago, uh, my therapist was asking me about how I, you know, we were talking about uh, the death of my grandparents who I was really close with, and he asked me how did you how did you grieve that? How did you deal with that? And I was like, I got drunk, mm-hmm. but that's how I, I didn't deal with it. Like, yeah. that's what I did. I never have grieved that. Um, and I just got drunk. That's what I did to, to uh, deal with things.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think the, um, the biggest thing too, is like, if I'm talking to someone that might not fully understand what it means to be an alcoholic is, They'll be like, well, how did like how do we make someone feel that way? You know, and it's like for me, I'm convinced of like you were saying, I'm convinced that I don't drink like that through my own experience. You know what I mean? And it's like I, I have to get the shit kicked out of me enough. No matter what that looks like, I have to have that happen enough where I'm convinced that I just don't drink like that. You know, I don't drink regularly. Um, even if I wanted to, I don't drink like that. I don't have the ability or the power to do that. And and that's what I'll try to say if I'm if someone is to, like a family member, if someone's talking to me about their family members having issues. It's like that guy's got to get the, get his own experience. You know, that guy has got to find that in himself. And unfortunately, what I've found is no amount of me trying to convince someone that they're there is gonna work you know what I mean like it's just something I have to get to and then there's an opportunity for change and and I don't know how that happens or why like Aaron said why that all happens at a in one moment but um for you four years later after going back out what what transpired where you go you know what I'm done I got to I'm going to do this thing. Did you immediately get a sponsor? Did you immediately go through the work? Like what kind of happened at that point?
2: Um, well, uh, you know, uh, the, the thing about like what you're saying, I, I know, I know that like nobody, nobody else can convince anybody. Um, it's all, it all has to be the individual and, you know, and even, even what was going on in my head is like, I can't stop. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore, but here I am again. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, I even knew a couple years before I actually stopped that I, um, that I needed to, um, Mm -hmm. and that I had a problem. So it's like, even knowing, and if somebody else had the fucking audacity to (laughs) tell me that I needed to stop, you know, even though those were things going through my own head, I still wasn't ready to accept that. Um, yeah. So what happened was um, you know, I I was working for a liquor distributor. I was a salesperson for eight <laughs> years. <laughs> Wildly what, nice. convenient for an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. um, and I I was selling into retail stores. So I was going into grocery stores and selling wine and booze in those accounts. And then the last six months of my drinking. I got moved into the bar and re- uh, bar and restaurant venue, mm-hmm. which really uh, sealed the deal, right? Mm-hmm. I was, um, prior to that, I was like drinking morning until night, like Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And then as soon as I moved into the bar and restaurant where it was acceptable to drink while I was at work, um, I was doing that. And then I was drinking in the morning. Like I literally could not, I would wake up first thing in the morning and I was sick and I couldn't walk my dog without taking a drink first, mm. you know, at six in the morning and uh, trying to get ready for work and put makeup on or get in the shower was um, like shaking. I, I couldn't physically do it without drinking. Um, and I just lit. I just couldn't. I didn't want to go. I didn't. I didn't want to die like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't want to live. You know, if yeah. that makes sense. Like, I, I didn't. Yeah. I personally didn't have suicidal ideation or or have necessarily thoughts with that. I literally was afraid that I was going to just die in my sleep, and my roommates would find me in their house, mm-hmm. and that was the stuff that I thought about. But I. Uh, I would wake up in the morning and before my eyes would even open, I was just like, fuck, you know, mm-hmm. not again. Like, I don't want to do this. So um, I was sitting in my car outside of the, the my work um, and I was drunk and I was crying and my friend called me at that moment and, and I, I picked up and I just said, I, I think I need to go to rehab or something. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And he suggested, um, You know, he was one of of my friends that I drank with, and we had a lot of fun. And so he was just like, well, I mean, maybe you should, like, go see your doctor first. Like, you know, (laughs) and I was like, okay, cool. Yes, like, one more thing. Let's try one more thing. And um, so that was on a Wednesday. I called my doctor after I hung up the phone with him. I got an appointment on a Friday. I woke up Friday morning. I drank before going to my doctor. Mm -hmm. I went to the doctor's appointment and I spoke to my doctor and I was honest with him about how much I was actually drinking. And the funny thing is I would regularly go see my doctor on a, you know, on an annual basis to get checkups um, to make sure I was healthy. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) And um, they would ask me how much I drank and I would tell them probably three Three or four drinks a day, and they looked at me like, "Ooh, that's a lot." <laughs> yeah.
1: and, you were like, "That was mean, me yeah. lying." <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: And yeah. I was like, "You have no idea how much I actually drink. Yeah. Like, if that's a lot, you know." Oh, so, that's
0: so funny. Three, or, three or four right out of three or four right out of bed in the morning. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so funny.
2: <laughs> and so, so I, I wish that. I wish that I could like show you what my doctor's face looked like when I told <laughs> him how much I drank because yeah. I think he didn't know that that was like humanly possible, <laughs> yeah. and he kind of looked at me like, "Ooh, okay, um, I'm, I need you to sit tight right here all the way back. I'm gonna make a couple of phone calls," and he left me sitting in the room and came back and uh, told me that he would made some calls and there was uh, there was a place that had a bed for me. Hmm and i could go uh that night or uh sunday night and i was like immediately i'm like ooh, like backpedaling like (laughs) Like, Um, even though i had said i think i need to go to rehab or something you know i was like ooh, i got a dog to take care of i got all you know job and this and um and uh I walked, I walked out to the front office, and the woman who works at the front, um, she had been there for years, and I was crying, and I looked at her, and I said, Bev, do I have to do this? And she said, yes, honey, you do, and you're going to help a lot of people. And I just, her just saying, yes, you do, I just broke down, and I was like, okay, let's, let's let me talk to these people. And so I, I had an over-the-phone assessment. Um, and, um, they told me they were going to send me an email with, you know, whatever I can bring and whatnot. And I went home and I I called my best friend and I said, I I need a ride, um, to rehab. Um, I can go tonight or Sunday, but if I wait until Sunday, I won't go. So Mm. can you come and pick me up? Hmm. And, uh, hung up the phone, finished the rest of my vodka, packed a bag and off to rehab. Um, and from there I, um, I did, I heard everything that, that they said. I heard them say, um, you know, like only one in three of you are going to make it. Um, I heard all the people in there saying that this was like their seventh or eighth time. And I'm like, who the fuck has been here? I
3: don't
2: want to fucking come back here. Speaking of coronavirus, like you, that place like just is is sick that building is sick (laughs) and i got sick twice in 28 days oh Uh, no yeah so um but i i i perked up to all the people that were like this is what you know i relapsed again and i'm like okay what did you do or what did you stop doing and i was like note to self uh Mm -hmm. you know these are all the things that helped people um be successful in this and you know, getting a sponsor and going to meetings was what I heard over and over and over again from the treatment center that I went to. And I'm really grateful for that. So I did. I got a sponsor um, right away mm-hmm. um, and started working with her as soon as I got out of um, the treatment center.
0: Do you, so she was uh, is she a big book? Is she a big book gal or? I yeah. Mean, she started taking yeah.
2: this area. Um, the area that I live in is m- almost all big book like north seattle is big book um and good like good stuff it's uh i got in i am i recognize now i didn't know at the time but i started going to the meetings that um have really good quality uh recovery big book stuff um conference people you know the the hot stuff so it's uh it's uh, I just, that was my experience. Like I was just introduced to, um, just the real, I don't know, the, the meat and potatoes yeah. of what is for, for me and all the people that I know they're successful.
0: Have you ever, and have you ever like stopped and thought about it? Like look back on that. And, and I guess I'm asking you, usually we share experience and I'm asking you maybe to hypothesize a little bit, but, uh, like how you ended up just, um, you know, right out of a treatment center, finding your way into some big book, uh, 12 step stuff. Cause, uh, you know, a lot of us have stumbled around, you know, um, with the half measures crowd, you know, and, and, and <coughs> been unsuccessful, uh, obviously. And have you ever, I don't know, have you ever given any thought to that and the, 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 the fortune of that or, 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 spend any time reflecting on yeah. that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I 100% believe that um, my higher power put me where I'm at, you know? And, and I think like when I reflect on this stuff, I think I spent enough time. I mean, I drank for 25 years and Mm -hmm. I drank hard for that long. And I did, you know, I did drugs too. I I loved cocaine, loved it. And (laughs) I was able to, at one point, just stop doing that. And I thought, Oh, well, You know, I can stop doing coke. Yes. Drinking is not a problem. Like, it's fine. It's totally fine that I'm still drinking. No big deal. Yes. Um, So. (laughs) I wonder
0: how many of us have had that experience where we're like, well, I'm good. I can stop doing cocaine. I've got everything handled. Like, I've had that experience.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I... I just, the experience that I had drinking and all the time that I wanted to not be doing it and thought, you know, had those nagging feelings of this is not the way you should be. This is not the way I want to live. Like, this is, I I do have a recollection of having a conversation with a friend of mine, like, this is not the way my life was supposed to go, you know?
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And yeah, it was it absolutely was the way that my life was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Um in the moment it was very sad and I was uh hopeless and you know I imagined better things for myself but where I sit now um it is obvious to me that all of those things needed to transpire for me to be where I'm at today. Um and I'm so grateful that I was so the, the treatment center that I went to, they would uh take people to they had volunteers come in and take people to outside meetings. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got to I went to um my first home group was called Bottom Feeders. Mm-hmm. And that's it's awesome. still around <laughs> isn't that great? Yeah. Uh it's still around in the North Seattle area. Um and I remember it was a big meeting at the time, probably a hundred people. And a lot of people like my age and younger, I identify as a young person, even though I'm 43. (laughs) um, But I saw a lot of people in that room that I was like, holy shit, like, you know, I there's a lot of people that are like, they're just like me and people that are younger than me getting sober and people that are older than me that have gotten sober. Um, And so that clicked with that meeting just like. Was really helpful mm. to see that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where I could relate to some just you know, it was just like my first impression of and my judgment of people, um, and what they looked like or who I thought they were. But that's what I needed, right? Mm. Um, uh, uh, like I guess the oh, there's cool people getting sober, yeah, kind of realization, right? Yes, yeah,
1: like, oh, I can the... still
2: be cool and have fun, it,
1: yeah, because the typical cliche is a bunch of old people sitting around drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes and stuff and you know my experience is I ran into a meeting that was very like that you know and um but it I remember being around some young people um at a at like a little mini convention we had here and I was like okay I can do this you know what I mean like it's very reaffirming when you're because I was 20 26 at 27 at the time so it was like for a long time, I was the only person that was anything close to young. And then I ran yeah. into these people and it's just, it's like, okay, life isn't that bad. I'll be able to get through this. You know, I remember that feeling so I can relate to needing that, you know, cause it was huge for my recovery too.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was my biggest thing was thinking, um, how am I, I mean, number one, I didn't know how to live life without it, but I was just like, I was so worried about not having any fun you mm-hmm. know I, I like it my life is going to be boring yeah. and how like how am i going to do this yeah, um
1: yeah. So. yeah i had told my uh when i was going to rehab i had told my parents that um just so you know my life's gonna be fucking miserable <laughs> or something <laughs> like that <laughs> and, um, guilt <laughs> right. yeah i'll go yeah, it's right. rad, yeah right? exactly I, my life's so much better than i ever would have drawn up for myself so yeah it's um it's interesting, you know, just the perspective of not being able to live with or without alcohol and then coming through the other side of that, you know, and seeing that things are even better and I get to do everything that I wanted to do and wasn't able to follow through with when I was drinking. Like, I I get to experience all of that stuff today and be a part of that um, day in and day out, you know. Like, I I didn't think you could go to the lake. I didn't think you could golf. I didn't think you could do anything without drinking because that was just how my life was and to be able to uh do all of that stuff and remember it and be a part of it and not just be focused about drinking and engaged in life like it's just I don't know it's a pretty pretty great thing so
2: yeah totally
0: yeah I think it's funny that we all have all had the same experience of like Kyle was sitting in the jail cell in the turtle suit and got a hold of his parents. And then like, we're coming and getting you on one condition that you'll go to treatment. And, and he's like, all right. And they come and get him. And he's like, I don't think I need to go to treatment. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, immediately yeah. trying to back out as well. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, no, yeah.
1: I, if I just move in with you guys, I'll be all right. So, yeah, be yeah.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I remember uh, I had, I had confessed to my wife that I had been leading a double life. Not only was I doing opiates, I was, you know using them intravenously and i had been doing so for the better part of a decade and and uh then you know i'm such a nice guy that i went on a three-day golf trip you know after i dropped that bomb on her and in the meantime she found a bunch of treatment centers for me to go to and i get i get back from my three-day golf trip and i'm like you know i was talking with my therapist and i think if i just tried these other things first the fucking look that she gave me oh my god i was like (laughs) she gave me that look and i was like or or I can go to treatment. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's so funny. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you said that um people were coming in from the outside volunteering into in the treatment center or taking you guys to outside meetings. And uh-huh. I wanted to ask you about your you what your twelve step looks like. I'm uh you sponsor uh, you know, a handful of women or, you know, some women I'm guessing. Do you did you yeah. do do you is it easier for you to find them? I mean, do you, are you able to just You know, um, like sometimes for us, I think we have to go out and look and, you know, there's just a larger male population in the 12 step crowd, or or do do you find yourself also like doing intern and going into the 12 step, um, or the treatment facilities or, uh, like what's your 12 step look like, I guess.
2: So I actually, um, I have, I haven't recently, but I was, um, I am signed up to be a driver for that treatment center. Um, and I was doing that for a while. Um, I do have sponsees, and I regularly meet meet with my sponsor in person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I've I have I've been sober for four years. I've been through the steps three times. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, yeah. I mean, being of service is important. It is a little bit uh, more difficult. I, like you said, I think um, there's a lot more the. The program is uh is as my friend would say it's very dude forward right like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> but um but i think that it's it's so important to have strong female um uh presence such, yes. uh, have a strong female presence in the rooms Absolutely. because that is lacking so we really need to have that um and keep that alive um I, you know, honestly, like I've given my phone number out to so many people, so many women in the treatment center, and I have had one, I have one sponsee from a treatment center Mm -hmm. that has stuck with it. Um, But, uh, and and honestly, like I've sponsored, I've started sponsoring a lot of women and and I only uh, just on Thursday was the first person that I finished the first 164 pages with.
1: That's awesome. Um,
2: so that was really awesome, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can, um, I can. Not only can I go to the treatment center and drive women out to outside meetings, but they do have open meetings as well. So okay. um, that's something that is um, on the, you know, that's that's available to me to go find people and to help people mm-hmm. um, because I, <laughs> I love. Uh, I've heard this before, and for a while I thought it just sounded really sick, but I really love it when you see really desperate people. Yes. You know? And it's like, because I know that feeling, mm-hmm. and I know, it's like, it's like I know how to, I can, you can see, I can be the example that like, I know what you feel like, and I am standing here today. Um, one of the things that I'm going through uh, that has just recently started for me is, um, This last week, uh, I had to go and get in crisis mode with my mother, who was being evicted, and all of her bills. You know, she was her electricity was being shut off, all this stuff because of her. uh, She's got some memory problems, Mm -hmm. Um, and I and our relationship has been less than perfect. Um, and I had been kind of resistant to being able to helping her because I thought that I knew how she would behave and react. And then it got down to the point where it was I, I was praying about it and praying about it, and it was like, okay, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. So um, I I was texting with a good friend of mine this morning, and um, I she she was asking me what I was doing today, and I told her I was going to do this, and then I have to go through a box of paperwork that I took from my mom's house, and she said. Oh, that's great. Um, it's a day full of service. And I was like, oh, yeah. Thanks for reminding me that like doing this stuff for my mother is being of service. You mm-hmm. know, like I forget that like not just sponsoring people and doing things for people in recovery is being of service. Um, that it's about just what can I do for others and how can I help the world be a better place? Like that, um, that's what we need to do, you know, it doesn't have to look only one way.
1: Um absolutely. So. Yeah. Uh you had referenced earlier um that you've been seeing a therapist. What uh, what other stuff are you doing outside of just the traditional twelve step realm? Um, you know, that includes your diet, and I'm sure Aaron will have some questions about that and seeing a therapist, um, outside literature that you're reading. I mean, what else does your life kind of consist of that kind of makes you of maximum service to everyone around you?
2: Um, well, I, yeah, so I, two years ago, I uh, became, uh, well, I started eating plant-based mm-hmm. and um, that I decided to do that for health reasons. Like I want to, um, you know, before I got sober, I thought like, I didn't, I didn't put away money for retirement. I thought, there's no way I'm going to live to 65. Like, Mm -hmm. so what's the point? Um, and now I like, I have like fantasies of like getting my 30 year coin at, you know, 60, whatever, 69 years. It's like, I think about those things, like God willing, of course, um, Mm -hmm. I am sober and I'm alive still, but like, that's a possibility. Like that's a possible thought for me now. Mm Um, so that, um, you know, just, and, and, um i'm very open with just with who i am um with everyone like i, I work in a place uh, it's a small business um i work for a couple who they're uh christian i am i'm not uh christian i do you know have beliefs uh in a higher power and i have real conversations with my boss mm-hmm. about uh about god you know and like what's going on with me and and i do this with people that i work with too and i find that just doing that stuff um is also like imperative in my program like i i say these things and and it piques people's interest and things that like i don't even know how i am being an effect on other people or the world like Mm -hmm. we all have a we all have an effect And it's not my... I don't have to know what that is to know that it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, how I can just share my experience with everything, even people outside of the program, but, like, things that I've learned in the program that can be useful to people outside of that. Absolutely, Um, yeah. You know, and therapy has been uh, really... It's like... it takes a village, like, I need the 12 steps, I need therapy, I need, you know, the fellowship, I need my family, I need friends, I, I just, I need everything that I can possibly get to to, to stay well, um, because I am, you know, I'm a real alcoholic, like mm-hmm. I told you, like, I don't think I can drink normally, I just want to get loaded, and as I'm dealing with all this stuff for my mother, this last, this week, I was thinking, man, a drink would be real... I would be real nice to just get fucked up. And 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 then it's like the, the next thought is, no, it wouldn't be real nice because then I couldn't be of help to anybody. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working through this with my, with my sister. Uh, she lives in Arizona, and she flew out for a couple of days. And this whole... It was two days that we spent together, and we did a ton of stuff. And I just... It was um, laden with the feeling that I'm not doing this on my own and I'm not talking about my sister. there helping me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I don't know where this came from. Like, I don't know, like something came unblocked. I don't know what happened. I just had this, you know, like before I'm like, well, my mom was never there for me. And, you know, so there's like some resentment thoughts and things like that. And like, why should I do this? And I was in meditation the other morning and what came to me was, um, that I, well, actually, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't meditation. I read something on Facebook uh, from somebody that I met at one of the the, uh, Mm. conferences. And it said that um, I actually misread what he what it was written. And I thought it said that, you know, I get to be the parent that they were not And that's not what it said but that's what i read and i and i reread it later that night as i was reading it to my sister and i was like oh my gosh that's not how i read it but cool i'm glad i read it that way that that i heard that i need to um be to her who she was not able to be to me
0: Mm.
2: and that is that does not come from that doesn't come from me you know
0: think that i i yeah i think you answered my question about you know you know being a having a plant-based diet i think you said that it, you know this it was about maintaining a maintaining a health I, i just had had the experience where i'd been sober for a few years and like that was the only thing i was doing i was just you know i i don't know i just didn't get well physically i didn't do anything physically and i just still felt you know terrible and tired all the time and uh so yeah, I was just wondering about your diet playing into that being a plant-based diet, and you know, like working in cooperation, all of these things working in unison with one another. But Kyle sort of asked that, and I think you pretty much answered it. Um, our, your your screen looked froze up. Sorry. Then I started to freak out for a second. Um, you were talking about you were talking about your uh, your morning meditation. Is that um, sort of out of the is that sort of out of the book? How you do that? Just uh, consider your plans for the day do you do you have uh you know helpful suggestions that you've attained as the book says you know through rabbis or ministers or like what's your what's your morning and evening routine look like and like
2: um so i first i'd like to say that uh my idea of what i thought what meditation was is you know i just want to like maybe throw it out there for people who think that they suck at meditation, Mm -hmm. um, that you don't. And the only bad meditation is the one that you don't do. Mm -hmm. Um, and what it looks like for me, a lot of mornings is I set a timer. Um, I sometimes put some ambient music with that and, um, and my brain just runs, you know? And I thought like, man, that was terrible because all I was doing was thinking. And, um, what I do now is try and just observe what I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. right? And so we're gonna think. Like, we don't just sit there and sit there with a clear mind. Like, that's not how, that is not my experience. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And speaking with a lot of other people, like, that is true for most people. Like, our brains are meant to, you know, like we have, I don't even know what the statistic is of how many thoughts we have per minute or per day as humans, but. Um it's just get into the practice and do it, and then I find um, that every now and then some intuitive thought comes in, you know um, sometimes I sit there and I, I feel like I'm obsessing about like what conversation I'm playing through a conversation that I'm gonna have with my coworker that day and how that's gonna go, you know mm-hmm. and it never goes that way by the way ever, uh, never. I'm always like, there's only one of three ways this is gonna go and,
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
2: yeah, and it's never that ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but I do, it helps me be more aware of what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the point. Like, we're, we, we just need to be an observer of ourselves. You know, like, I am not my thoughts. I'm the person watching the thoughts. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I still kind of feel like I suck at meditation because I'm just like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And it's like, no, this is not a checklist of things to do today. Um, but that's okay. Right. Like I gotta, I, I, I gotta cut myself some slack and I continue to do that. Yeah. Um, and at night I'll be honest, like I am not great at doing a nightly review. Wow.
0: Um, that's cause that sucks. I did.
2: <laughs> 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 Agreed.
0: <Ugh>. Um,
2: but <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's the uh, to just, I have to rem- remind myself that that is it's just, like, it's just a, a factual thing. Like, how did I do today? Okay. Like, it's not to f- make myself feel bad about it. It's to, oh, I did that again. Oh, okay, great. And then ask for help with that, you know, moving for the next day. Um, so I, you know, I'm not great. I am pretty good about uh, actually, like, talking to people about stuff when it comes up. But the actual, phys- you know, the physical nightly review I'm not great at. Mm. Um and then I get into moments where I'm just like, I got to deal with this. I'm, I, I, it's not even like I think I have to deal with this on my own. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just doing things without considering that I need to, like, talk to somebody and ask for, you know, some input or help or support. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's huge. Like, I, I, I was I, – somebody actually reached out to me um, the other day who I don't talk to regularly, someone that I met at um, – the conference in Arizona in January and she just called me out of the blue right when I needed to talk hmm. and uh that was pretty cool yeah. so I and mean, that's I guess that's kind of what it looks like I guess today if that answers the question it
1: does absolutely yeah I've been doing this thing where I I meditate like midway through my day and mm-hmm. I just I put a reminder on my calendar that at this time every day it comes up And I always want to just say, like, dismiss the notification, right? And so, but when I do it, I find midday meditation, which is something I've never done before. A couple of weeks ago, I started doing this, has been really um, rewarding. Like, because throughout the day, it it gets easy to just kind of let shit start running, and then the wheels are spinning, and then I'm moving and moving and moving, and then to actually make a conscious decision to stop and go do that has been really significant. Because um, my morning meditation is, it's not non-existent, but it's lackluster. It, it's quick and, you know, it's like, well, I got to get going. And so doing it midday, I find, and like, it's just nice to hear, you know, oh, my nightly review isn't perfect. And like my morning meditation isn't perfect. And it's like, but well, what's cool is like the active participation in it and it's not like a oh I have to wear this thing so restrictively that if I miss one day I'm fucked and everything's gonna fall apart like to just kind of be in the flow of things that it comes it goes sometimes it's better sometimes it's worse i I love hearing that from other people because that's been my experience is it's the more restrictive I try to be on my 11th step the worse it gets I think
2: yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah and that's kind of where like most recently when um you know, my sponsor gave me a, she printed up the sheets, you know, from the book. It's like, was I, where was I, was I scared, dishonest, selfish? Like, do I have anything that I need to talk about with others? Um, that she like printed a bunch of these and put it in, um, uh, in a, in a little bound notebook. And I was like, yes, this, this is, this is gonna make me do yeah. it. And, <laughs> um, and it's in my nightstand drawer. Uh, yeah. But, yeah.
1: I uh, I emailed my sponsor for a while, my nightly review, and then I ended up just being resentful at him because I was sending it to him every night. So I was like, yeah, that doesn't work either.
0: So right.
3: Yeah.
0: Right. Amber and I used to do this uh, this couples thing, and one of the couples that hosted had this. They lived up in the, like the foothills of the Rockies, and they had this beautiful like sunroom. And uh, my buddy and I looked at each other and we we're like. Yeah, I bet if we had a sunroom like that, we'd be great at meditation. <laughs> yeah,
1: sure thing, man. I'm pretty yeah. sure you said that at Courtney's too. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Right. Yeah. You were like, "Damn, I if I had this that room." Familiar. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. That In, yeah. Instead, instead, I'm going to go with uh, instead I'm going to go with midday temper tantrums. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's usually yeah. what works for me. Ten step calls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So all of that rage has got to go somewhere, Kyle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think we're about an hour in, Myra. Um, Is there anything else that you'd like to discuss or that we we missed out that you'd like to talk about before we wrap up? No, I,
2: you know, I, 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 the only thing that I would say is like to everybody, anybody who's listening is just like, you know, cut yourself some slack. And Mm -hmm. like, I know that I am the hardest on myself. And like, I was just sharing that, like, I didn't even consciously recognize that, like, helping my mother, even though it's my mother, um, but it is a strained relationship, like, like, that that's being of service. And I was like, duh, Mm -hmm. of course it is, right? Like, I'm helping another human, and I'm helping another human that is really hard to want to help, Mm -hmm. you know? And, like, that's the challenge is, like, how can I be loving and tolerant towards all? It's, like, it's easy for me to be loving and tolerant towards the people that I love and like, And so I don't need help with that. Like Mm -hmm. I can do that. Like I need help with being loving loving and tolerant with the people that I can't, that I have a hard time dealing with, that I don't care for that. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. um, and like, and I was resistant up and up to that, to, to like last weekend, I was like, I am not going to, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I'm unwilling. I was unwilling to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I kind of felt bad about that um but like i just have to i just have to give myself some um breathing room for that you know because i'm here now doing what i'm doing and um that we're we are just human and we're not perfect and i had this thought that like oh well now i'm sober and i've got to be like i've got to live this virtuous life and be perfect and i just have to try to do that Mm -hmm. it's just i just have to try you know um so i think that's probably the only other thing that i'd want to say
0: awesome. yeah that's good stuff i think i found that um, during my time too especially when i was a little bit harder on myself uh you know when i would make mistakes i would turn it into this self-bashing thing where i'm like oh i'm this sober person i'm the spiritually principled person and here i am doing the same fucking dumb things over and over again and and yeah. now i've gotten to the point where i realize that uh, that's part of growing and making mistakes and understanding them and you know uh when i'm beating myself up it's just a, another form of self obsession you know it's just yeah. me me thinking so about worked. me some more
3: yeah
1: so, you're good at
0: yeah. that too yeah i am wow yeah. i'm better at talking about myself but yeah. i'll settle for thinking about myself you're also incredibly
1: <laughs> humble too Aaron. incredibly yeah so awesome well thank you so much myra you've been a really fun guest to talk to and um every so often we get reoccurring guests i think you'd be awesome to have on again in the future you've been wonderful to talk to so thank you for being a part of it
2: oh uh, thank you for having me and i would absolutely love to uh, do it again sometime
0: cool yeah thanks myra
2: All right, have a good day.